Welcome to the Splat Zones, a monthly video cast slash podcast where we bring you the best Nintendo-related topics. And this month, we have yet again another excellent topic. Today's episode is all about competitive Smash 4 for Wii U. As always, I am your host, NiceWood983, and joining me, as always, is my illustrious co-host, Mario After Party. How you doing today, bro? What's up, guys? All right. So how you been, bro? I'm good. I'm good. Okay. So before we go ahead and get into the things that we're going to do today, we have a new episode format. It's completely different from what we've done in the past two episodes. Uh, What this is going to do is going to bring you guys brand new segments. So new stories, new things. And it'll also keep us in check a little bit because uh, even though last episode was great, we kind of want to rein things in a little bit. So now that you know that we've got this new format going on, let's get into our first segment, and that is the news. So this is crazy. First thing on the bullet point is a Pokemon gym opens up in Osaka, Japan. A real-life Pokemon gym. This this is mind-blowing, bro. Uh, basically, it's a giant Pokemon center combined with an augmented reality center. So you'll be able to play with augmented reality Pokemon, train them. You'll also be able to get specific Pokemon from uh, the locations. You'll also be able to uh, train your Pokemon so that you have an elite Pokemon team. Uh, Right now, it looks like they're keeping up to the current gen, so it's going to be X and Y related Pokemon along... With a few mainstays like Pikachu and Charizard. Uh, if you guys are watching the video, we've got some great footage from uh, the grand opening up. Now, this isn't going to open to the public until November 19th. But if anybody goes to Osaka, Japan, this is something to look out for. And I want to keep things Pokemon related. So we have our second Pokemon news story. Uh, Pokemon Tournament. The uh, Pokemon fighting game made by the Tekken team. Released a new character. You want to take a guess at which character they released today, bro? Mm, Mewtwo? Yes, sir. But not just any type of Mewtwo. It is a dark Mewtwo. Uh, This is a form of Mewtwo we've never seen before. So I'm wondering if this is like some kind of leak for the next iteration of Pokemon. Uh, Looks great. Again, if you guys are watching the video cast... Check out, check it out. We've got some great footage about that as well. Um, as you know, Pokemon Tournament was released in New York, in the states alone. Uh, we're really hoping for a, uh, a national release at other Dave and Buster's, so we can bring you some more content about that. Now this is fun. Our next Pokemon-related news story. I told you guys we're running a little theme here. Is the Hoopa distribution? Hoopa being one of the legendary Pokemon that has yet to be released in the United States, will be coming specifically to Mickey D's uh, alongside a Pokemon Happy Meal. So there will be 12 toys to collect or catch, if you will. Got to catch them all. So be looking forward to that. This is some great news keeping in line with that Pokemon theme. Game Freak, the development team that makes every single Pokemon game, has bought mobile developer Koa, K-O-A. 
it's this is the third third announcement regarding Nintendo products and mobile development. It looks like uh, Nintendo is attacking on all fronts. They bought themselves a uh, they bought themselves a, a mobile studio. Their second party has bought themselves a mobile studio, and the Pokemon company is working to make uh, Pokemon Go. So some strictly Nintendo-related news. Last week was the Nintendo Investors Meeting. And in that Investors Meeting, we got some great news. First things first, they got they, they gave us some basic numbers. I think the most staggering being is they sold 21 million Amiibo worldwide. I didn't even know that was possible. That, that that you could sell 21 million amiibo when you still can't really find certain amiibo uh alongside that they sh they they showed some numbers as uh the top selling games uh right now for this year are super mario maker at 1.88 million and uh animal crossing happy home designer for the 3ds where you the game where you scan your pokemon card Sorry, Pokemon cards, your Amiibo cards. Uh, and that has sold something like 2.2 million. So Nintendo's really starting to turn things around. And at this investors meeting, Nintendo felt a little bit of pressure from their investors. They wanted to know what was happening with the mobile development side of things. So the next day, Nintendo gave us some brief information. Uh, they told us the first mobile game will be called Mitomo. Uh, from the looks of it, it's a cross between Gurmese uh, and Tomodachi Life. They also gave us information on the new rewards program, and that's going to be called Nintendo Account. The Nintendo Account will link your Wii U, NX, 3DS, mobile phone, and your computer. Uh, major selling point here is you now earn points. Not just for buying games, but for playing games. So we got that out of the way. Uh, the only other thing that they had to say on that front is that Nintendo is delaying the mobile game. It was supposed to be out sometime this year. It has now been pushed back to March of 2016. This is a little bit embarrassing for Nintendo, I have to think. Uh, on the sole purpose is that when Mario After Party and I were discussing mobile development in our first episode we had come to the conclusion that it would be easier for nintendo to make some mobile games because they'd be easier to make in general doesn't appear to be the case they're actually delaying a mobile game i think that's probably unprecedented well no nintendo is delayed that's more par for the course for them nintendo um, is known for delaying and pushing back a lot of their titles all the time. I mean, look at Zelda. That's not even coming out until 2016. So, um, you know, it's Nintendo does this all the time. It would be more embarrassing if they released a bad um, mobile game that people didn't want to play. So I think it's probably good that they're pushing it back. That's probably true. It's still a little odd that they're delaying a mobile game, but and, and honestly, if it, if it gives us a better game uh, and this Mitomo game, um, from the looks of it, 
it looks like it, it actually has some cool features. Uh, a lot of it's a it, very reminiscent of Street Pass being mixed with Tomodachi Life, and anybody who's disappointed with this game being sort of like Tomodachi Life, I think you guys need to go look at the reviews for Tomodachi Life. That game scored excellent, and a lot of people still playing it. So stop worrying about it. Uh. For the month of October and September, Triforce Heroes is the number one selling game in Japan. Which is, I don't know if this part is surprising or the, the fact afterwards. It is the number one selling game in Japan, but it is only sold a quarter of what the last Zelda 3DS game did in the same amount of time. So, I mean, leave that for as, take that as you will. Uh, we also got our Amiibo support details for Mario Tennis Ultra Smash. Uh, looks like this is the most inclusive Amiibo support that we've gotten since the Smash series. Essentially working the exact same way. You level them up, you upgrade them, and they play alongside you in doubles matches. So that's pretty cool. And the biggest news for the month of October that will bring everything around is Nairobi. Nairo defeated Gonzalo Zero at MLG 2015 in the Grand Finals to become the MLG champ and end Zero's 53 tournament winning streak. I don't know who, I don't know if you guys saw that match, but if you didn't, you need to get on YouTube, you need to watch that match. Nairo had to win six, six matches to beat Zero. And, man, he, he stepped his game up in a way that I don't think I've ever seen. Anybody who wants to make the argument that Smash 4 is not competitive needs to watch this video. I mean, the second that match was over, I blew Mario After Party's phone up because it was so incredible. I remember watching. I was screaming at the top of my lungs, beat him, beat him, one more, one more stop, one more stop. Incredible. Yeah, it was a really good match. It was one of the best Smash matches I've seen. Oh, man. And you gotta love the fact that it came at the last major, major tournament for the year. Just ending the streak. Well, guys, that's it for our news segment. Hope you guys enjoy it. Those are the top stories for the month of October as we head into November. We'll have some more news for you next month. But, on to our next segment. And that segment is, what are you playing and Amiibo Acquisitions? After Party, bro, what have you been playing lately? Um, lately I've just been playing Smash and Splatoon. Um, there haven't been a whole lot of new releases coming out recently. I haven't bought Mario Maker yet, but um, I'll probably buy it uh, before the end of the year. But right now, I've just pretty much been playing Smash for the most part. Smash 4 for Wii U, that is. My dog, my dog. Same here. Uh, I've actually uh, been playing a couple more games. I have been playing Chibi Robo Triforce Heroes. Uh, Yoshi's Woolly World on top of Splatoon and Smash. For Wii U and 3D. I've been playing both versions, trying to... Keep a, keep a steady skill set going. 
What about Amiibo? Have you picked up any new Amiibo lately? No. Um, the last Amiibo that I bought was the three-pack with the Rob, Duck Hunt, and Mr. Gaming Watch. That's a good damn three-pack, man. That is a good three-pack. Yeah, I haven't purchased anything since then. Um, although, you know, the Yoshi's Woolly World Amiibos are very tempting, but... You know, I'm not a big collector, so if I'm not going to buy the game, I probably won't buy those Amiibos. Those Amiibos are so tempting, in fact, that I have both the pink and the blue. I also bought the uh, Yoshi's Willy World Cross Amiibo bundle. I also bought the Chibi Robo Cross Amiibo bundle. Uh, I ended up getting Marth and Dark Pit at Best Buy. Uh, as they were re-released last month. And because last month was my birthday, you were gracious enough and kind enough to pick up a Rosalina for me, filling that hole that I had in my collection. Thank you again, bro, because I'm still trying to have that internal debate. Do I open it or do I play with it? Yeah, no problem, man. It's, uh, I knew you, you needed that one to help complete your collection so Ooh. yeah i actually found an amiibo app called amiibo collector uh this is a great app by the way while we're on topic it's actually a, an app that helps you keep track of which amiibo that you actually already have so i was using that and i checked out of the smash series i'm only missing seven so i'm not doing too bad i know there are people who have them all i hate you by the way but uh no not really keep listening to the show guys uh, seriously though, great app, uh, Amiibo Collector, uh, it's on the Google Play Store and, uh, iTunes, so go ahead and check that out, cause, yeah, that, that's a great app. It actually not only gives you the, uh, the Smash series, but all of the ways of Amiibo. In total, I'm only missing 10 Amiibo. So, out of all the Amiibo they released, to only be missing 10, that's not so bad. It, with the exception of the Animal Crossing cards, I bought one pack, and... Even though they're cool, I really don't want to get into that. I, I'll, I'll pull what little hair I have left out of my head. So that's it for the uh, What Are You Playing and Amiibo Acquisitions. I think it's time to get in our topic of the month. And like I said in the intro, our topic of the month is competitive smash for 3DS and Wii U. So first things first, uh, I want to get into just a quick thing. What got us into competitive Smash? Uh, I'm going to take the lead on this one. Uh, what really got me into competitive Smash was back in the day, and I'm talking back in the day, Smash 64 days. I would whoop all my friends who played that game. I would whoop them silly. Uh, to the point where I started thinking I was the best Smash player in the world. And with every iteration, I would still beat my friends and I would still think the same thing. But I always Until thought... you played... <laughs> Say that again? Until you played me. Oh, come on now. Ha uh-huh. ha. So, you know, we always think that we're the best. Actually, it's amazing that we actually never played each other until Smash 4 came out, by the way. I think that's actually pretty funny. But... Yeah, you know, you start thinking you're the best, but then you start to wonder, are you really the best? Never really played anybody outside of my circle. 
Uh, and you know, by the time, you know, by the time Brawl came out, Brawl was so bad I didn't even think about playing Smash all that often anymore. That was until I saw the Smash Brothers documentary series, and I found out that there is actually a competitive Smash scene where the guys who play this game are so incredibly talented that it's almost godlike. Uh, I knew it was too late to get into Melee. Also, I don't have a GameCube anymore. I do have a copy of the game, but without a GameCube, I really don't want to rehook up my Wii to play that game. I mean, I will if I have to, but I won't. So I just decided to hold out till Smash 4, and if the competitive scene picked that up, I decided that's where my entry point would be with Smash 4. What about you, bro? How did you get into competitive Smash? Same way. I saw the documentary, and I realized that there was this whole other world where um, there was an underground competitive scene that I never knew about. I wish I had known about it back when uh, I was younger and you know, in the melee days, but um, it's really pretty amazing how resilient the Smash community is and, and how long they've been able to keep the competitive scene going. So I went to my first tournament about two weeks ago, or actually I think it was last week, um, yeah. to compete. That's something that I've been uh, really wanting to do just for, you know, various reasons, work and such. I haven't been able to, uh, to attend a Smash tournament up to now, but it was fun. I had a good time. I got knocked out in the second round. Uh, there were no losers brackets because there was exactly 64 people, but it was fun. It was a Lafayette Smash for charity. And, um, you know, it was a pretty good experience for my first tournament. So... I'll definitely be doing more tournaments down the road. Um, you know, hopefully within the next two or three weeks, I'll be able to go to another one. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely, the documentary is how I got into Smash. It opened my eyes to a world of competitive uh, Smash gaming, which I never knew uh, existed. And now that I know, you know, I'm, I'm uh, taking my love for Super Smash Brothers, you know, out to the competitive scene. Yeah, true. And, you know, I also kind of come from, like, that competitive, like, fighting background as well. Like, you know, I'm in my 30s, and uh, I grew up in that era. I call it the best era, by the way, guys. Sorry, but it is. I grew up in that era where arcades were still relatively prominent. Um, so I grew up playing games like Street Fighter pretty competitively. I mean, there wasn't, like, a tournament scene. But everybody from my era knows, you know, putting that quarter down on the cabinet and, you know, uttering those words, I got next, and taking on the top dog, and then beating the top dog, becoming the top dog. Uh, Street Fighter has that, like, competitive edge to it. And I love the fact that uh, Smash 4 kind of, like, the, the community, the scene, has, like, it brings that edge back. Uh, I know that you can still play Street Fighter competitively, at Evo, but I mean, for me, the time has passed for that type of game, that type of fighting game. But I, I, the Smash community, the Smash scene, that's where it's at for me. Uh, you know, we both actually brought up the Smash Brothers documentary as being our entry point. That documentary really opened my eyes personally 
to that competitive scene and what it is um and like how these people dedicated themselves they built from the ground up this scene it also was interesting to see the divide between the coasts like which coast was better it became more so about which coast is better than which player was better and it was ultimately you know that that drive to find out which coast was better that actually built this incredible community that we're going to talk about today so that being said i think the first thing we got to talk about is the community itself um you 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 uh you actually have the more recent experience with the community what was it like man well, I'm sure that it's probably different, you know, every where you go. Like, I don't think it's going to be exactly the same in every city because there's some places that have a really um, vibrant and big uh, Smash community. Um, right now, the tournament that I went to was in Lafayette. They have a pretty decent Smash community there. Um, it's a lot, from what I experienced, there's a lot of uh, college kids there that were were playing it, and it's definitely kind of a younger demographic too. There were some some kids there that were um, in high school, and probably there there was probably um, a few kids that were younger than that. But uh, so I did feel kind of old because you know I'm 30 and uh, I was probably the oldest one there, um, and I know Melee has a little bit of an older demographic just because. That game came out, you know, what was it, like 10 years before Smash 4? I think we're in the 14th year of competitive play of that game. So there you go. I mean, it's it's a lot older. But, uh, you know, the, there's the community that, that I went to, like, I really, I don't think I could give a, a fair assessment just by only seeing it once. Um, but here uh, in Louisiana where I'm living right now, I would say uh, Smash is not quite as big as it is probably over where you are in Tampa. I know the Tampa scene is pretty big, and there's definitely a lot of people into it. So here uh, in Louisiana, it's not really as, as big, but um, you know there definitely is a pretty dedicated scene. Um, I know that... Uh, the tournaments, at least the ones that I've been going to, uh, they're not really, they're not for money. So you're not uh, putting in, most of them are free so and it's just for fun. They're glory. You're, uh, pl you're playing for the glory. Pretty much. That's it. The last tournament that I went to, like I said, the Lafayette Smash for Charity, it was uh, raising money for, uh, I think it was uh, cancer. And so there was a $5 entry fee, but all of it went to charity and there was no um, prize pool. And most of the tournaments there are free. Um, so I know it's that's another difference between uh, here and the, the Tampa scene. I know the Tampa scene is definitely all about that money. Whew, so, you ain't even playing, bro. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I really, I don't want to um, try to judge this, the scene too much here in Louisiana because I've only been to one tournament. So I, I haven't really 
I wouldn't be able to fully say like exactly what it's like here, but you know, from my first experience, um, the Smash Four scene, you know, there's definitely a dedicated community here, and overall, it was it was a good experience. Uh, you know what, man? You were talking about the the tapas scene earlier, <clears throat> and I gotta say, man, there you're like a hundred percent accurate when you talk about it's all about that money here. Uh. People, people fight for this prize when they come down to Tampa, man. They, like, there's something about this game that can bring out like the best in competitiveness, and the Tampa scene really likes to really gravitate towards that. But it never gets to the point where there isn't this sense of camaraderie that we all have. I mean, we're all there for like this unique love of the game, and uh, that game brings us together, and it, you know. It's all about determining who is the best at the game while winning some money on the side. But there are, you know, I've noticed there are a few players here in Tampa that are really, really focused on that monetary life that you can get with this game. I mean, the prize pools aren't like, like huge, but, you know, to some of these people, that prize pool, that man, that's like gas for like a week or two. Or that's, oh, I just, I'm getting what I want with this money. So, some of these guys, they go all out, and the Tampa scene is not just Tampa. The Tampa scene is Tampa, St. Pete, and Clearwater. It's this whole Tri-City thing. Uh, the last tournament I went to was actually called Smash the Bay, and the whole point was to get all the best players and, you know, everybody else to find out who was the best smasher in the Bay. Three days, three separate tournaments to determine... If somebody could take all three days, um, uh, the guy there was a guy he did take two days back to back. He took the first and the second day. Uh, he fell short on the third day, but I mean, taking two out of three tournaments, I think that pretty much gave him claim to fame for uh, King of Tampa at least. Uh, and you know, Tampa. Did they let you just? Go ahead. Did they let you use a, any controller for the control setup? One control, one one tournament uh, limited people to the GameCube controller uh, mm -hmm. using the adapter. So if you didn't have a GameCube controller, like I said, the community here, even though like we're competitive, they, they're also pretty relatively friendly. So there were a lot of people who were loaning out their GameCube controllers for the match, and if their GameCube controller was being used by another player while they were playing. Uh, you know, the tournament organizer was good about postponing their match while they waited for their controller back. Uh, That's one thing I really liked about the Lafayette tournament that I went to was that there were no restrictions on the controllers. Um, the person who won the tournament actually was using the uh, Wii U gamepad, but I saw people using the 3DS. I saw people playing with the, uh, the nunchuck. Um, of course, there were some classic controllers there. Uh, I think I did see a Game Pro controller too, but um, I, I I really believe that there should not be any restrictions for controllers at tournaments because it doesn't give anybody an unfair advantage. You know, we all have different sized hands and we all have different preferences with how we like to play the game and how we feel comfortable playing the game. And uh, it doesn't affect your opponent either, so I don't. I've never really understood why some tournaments were banning um, certain controllers. That just doesn't make sense to me. And I really think that it would be 
to the benefit of the Smash community if the major tournaments would set uh, the example and just allow all controllers at the tournament. Yeah, and you know, to further your point, like I play differently based on the controller I use. Personally, my personal preference is to use a GameCube controller because you know I've been playing Smash since you know the beginning. But Melee is really where I feel like the control scheme got perfected. And I don't think there's a better way to play Smash than that controller. Uh, but when I do every now and then, you know, sometimes I'm lazy. I don't want to connect the, the controller to the adapter port. I'll move to the, the Pro controller. <clears throat> and when I play with that controller, I'm actually less aggressive. And I'm more inclined to lose because the button, the button setup is different. I mean... The controller, the, even the way the buttons are mapped is slightly different, whereas your trigger is your grab on the Pro Controller uh, default instead of it being your shield and your your uh, your Z, I'm sorry, your right trigger, the upper trigger is the shield in in uh, on the GameCube controller. So it's different. It, it's different, and it, it can mess with your mind if you have to play with a control scheme that you're not adjusted to. Uh, Something that I think is a little twisted, though, is you said the guy who won the tournament played playing a gamepad sitting away from his opponent. Uh, if I had to ban a controller, that's probably the one I would ban because if you can separate yourself from your opposition, that takes out the mind game aspect of Smash. Um, no, it doesn't. Using the gamepad doesn't mean you have to sit away from uh, the competition. He won... Um, with the gamepad controller, and it was an advantage to him because there were some matches where he would sit away from the main setup, which kind of gets you away from the the screaming and the you know the crowd and the distraction, maybe even the intimidation of your opponent. But just because you have the gamepad controller doesn't mean you have to sit away. I think um, that controller should be allowed to, as long as they say, listen, you've got to be sitting at the setup with the controller. You can't take it somewhere else to get away from. The pressure, you've just you got to sit there um, and use it right there at the setup. I think it should be allowed. I do agree that you shouldn't be able to take it somewhere that may give you an advantage from not having to deal with the pressure, but uh, the controller itself, there's nothing wrong with it. It just, as long as you stay right there in the, in the chair and play with your, right next to your opponent, I don't see a, a problem. Yeah. And, you know, like, like I said, the, the control schemes they they basically determine the way you play it. If if it's important that you if you grew up playing brawl and the control scheme you played with was the Wii Mo and the nunchuck, and that's the way for you to play optimal optimally, that is the way that you should be allowed to play. Banning controllers, I mean, there, there there's there's no real reason outside. Maybe you save a few minutes on the back end so that because you don't have to sync a controller every match um but keep in mind man gamecube controllers can be they can be expensive for like a good quality one like i bought a couple of the official smash controllers i have two of the black ones and the japanese white one import i mean i paid 40 dollars for the black editions that were standard to the u.s and i paid 40 dollars for the white edition as well so Man, I'm out a hundred and twenty dollars in just for controllers. Three, you know, for three controllers. I mean, they they can get rather expensive. And you know, if 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 playing in the tournament is how you're making your money, 
and you're actually having to put your money into just having a decent controller because tournament rules say you have to have this type of controller, you're hindering the ability of, of the player. <clears throat> but for the most part, you know, uh, th they are regulated a little bit over here. Um, I think they just like to get the matches done quicker because, yeah, like I said, man, the Tampa scene can actually bring in people from Lakeland and uh, Plant City and even sometimes Orlando, depending on how big the pop bonus is. Uh, there was a tournament like three weeks ago that brought in people from Jacksonville. I mean, that's that's almost like a, that's like a five-hour, six-hour drive. That's how big like this tournament was as far as the prize pool was concerned. So, uh, Yeah, I had to drive two hours to get to the Lafayette tournament. So, inconvenient for me. But, you know, there are uh, people out there, if you want to play bad enough, there's, you know willing to make that drive exactly um speaking of the community i think there's something that everybody who wants to play competitively should get in mind i know that when you first go to like one of these tournaments there is like this intimidation factor like especially if you have to go alone where like oh man i'm new to this community but i think it's essential that anybody who attends a tournament does the following friendlies Friendlies serve two purposes. First, it can help you break those nerves, man, that you get at a first-time tournament or in a tournament in general. I go to tournaments, I still feel nerves, man. I still, like, uh, and I've been to a few, but I still feel nerves, you know, because you want to perform well. You don't want to get bodied in, in, you know, the opening round and then have to, like, work up through loser's bracket. And you definitely don't want to get bodied in loser's bracket. So I think you play friendlies to help you ease your nerves and you get to scope out the competition. You can see what they're doing. Uh, I know some people who play friendlies, you know, it's really a friendly and they don't go all out. But other people will get into a friendly and they'll, and they'll really play like they're playing you in bracket or in a money match. But friendlies, yep. friendlies work, man. I agree. Um, it's a good way to break the ice, get rid of some of the uh, pre-tournament nerves and then just get warmed up. So I played a couple friendlies before the tournament actually started and uh, definitely helped. Yeah. Um, my friendlies were, were four-player smash though, so everyone was kind of just, it was kind of crazy, but it was good because, you know, even though it wasn't one-on-one, -on -one, it was still letting me just get a Feel for my character real quick, um, practice a couple moves, and then just, you know, calm the nerves, and it definitely um, helped out a lot. Yeah, and, and another thing about friendlies is friendlies is like warm-ups, man. Like, there's, you know, you can go into a match cold, and if you go into a match cold, and maybe your opponent is, you know, warm, man... It take you know, sometimes it takes you a little bit of time to get like into the match. And if you come in cold, you're you're extending that that time. And you only got best of three. So if you can't if, if you end up losing, man, that first match, you don't really have a lot of time to like get back in it. You have to get back in it. So friendlies are important. Uh I you know, like I said, break the ice, warm up. Uh something I made the mistake of attending my first tournament. 
and strictly just watching and not being in a friendly match. Uh, I was offered to be in friendlies, but, you know, I didn't take that chance when I got it. Uh, and that was a mistake. Got bodied my first tournament in winners, uh, in normal bracket. Got dropped down to losers right away. Uh, won my second match, but then I got knocked out in my third match. It is what it is. Uh, it's first tournament jitters. Uh, my brother came with me that day. He had similar results. He also did not compete in any friendlies. Uh, but we know better now. So when we go to tournaments together, we we tend to engage in friendlies. And not only that, uh, we like to get into assessments with the people we've been in friendlies with. Uh, was there anything you thought I could have done better? You know, that's another thing too. The friendlies is the perfect time to assess a, a match. It's like, what do you think I could have done better? Or how did you do that? Because I would like to learn how to do that. Friendlies, Definitely. friendlies can help you do that. Yeah, and I would like to say uh, to anyone out there who's uh, considering going to a Smash tournament for the first time, um, some of the best advice which Nice One gave me, uh, which I want to pass on to you, is that you know two things: bring your 3DS if you have the Smash Four for the 3DS, because that will help you get warmed up, and then two. If you can play friendlies, that's even better because then you're playing against a, another person and that'll get you warmed up even more and uh, that'll kind of get rid of some of the jitters. So if you do those two things, um, you'll go into the tournament a lot more relaxed because we all know uh, the first time you compete in a tournament of any kind, you know, you know, you don't really know what to expect. So... Anything that can calm your nerves is going to help you out. Yeah, the 3DS thing, man, I learned that pretty quickly. Um, having the 3DS, I, I play with default controls, um, so it's an easy transition. Even, you know, <clears throat> I also have the new 3DS with the C-Stick, so that was able, you know, being able to transition, it's like, I'm warmed up. I can do that if I can't get into a friendly, but at least I'm not going in there cold. Um I think the next thing we should talk about is matches themselves. Uh, we said earlier that most tournaments have adopted the, you know, the the three the three uh, match set. So you got you got to win two. Matches are really important. It comes down to how familiar you are with familiar you are with your character. How familiar you are with your opponent's character. And stage control. And I'm not just talking about taking the center of the stage and, and playing the neutral game really well. I'm talking about knowing which stages are optimal for the character that you you main. I know a lot of people put a lot of uh they put a lot of weight on tier listing. I'm not one of them. Despite the fact that I use a relatively top-tier character, I don't necessarily think that the character makes makes the matchup. I don't always think that a Pikachu is gonna beat, you know, a Luigi every time out. It it's based on the player, but there are certain aspects of the game you can control, like stages and stage striking and and you know, I'm not gonna personally if I if I can, I'm not gonna let a Sheik take me to Smashville. That's that's giving the Sheik the the advantage, and I know a lot of players like to play on Smashville. That's why it's gotten like the nickname Starterville. 
that's not cool. Like, know how to counterpick. Know how to ban a stage. And try to put the advantage in your hands as far as stage. And if you're using a stage that has transformations like Delfino, Halberd, or Castle Oblivion, know when those transformations are coming and position yourself in a way that you can get that KO. Like, stage, stage control is so important, knowing. Uh, and I know a lot of tournaments have uh, DSR. You can, basically, day super rule, you can't play on a stage that you've already won on unless both players mutually agree. But if you're both mutually agreeing to Smashville and you just lost on Smashville, I think you need to reassess going back to Smashville. Think about what's best for your character because I have lost matches because I didn't have a, a very good understanding of, of, of the counterpick. Counterpicking is so important. Personally... I, as a Pikachu main, I like to counterpick to Delfino and Castle Oblivion. Because uh, Castle Oblivion's transformations can get me, to, you know, where the, 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 the horizontal outboxes can be shorter on one of the transformations. You mean Castle Siege? Castle Siege. I said Castle Oblivion? Yeah, I don't yeah. know what you're talking I'm, about. I'm tripping. I'm thinking about Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, Castle Siege. Castle but, Siege. Castle Siege. Funny enough, in the, in the, um, the next... Bi-weekly tournament at Lafayette, that is not one of the stages you can pick from anymore. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the transformational stages are being banned. Um, I really have to disagree with that because you're, you're giving us a Dreamland in its place. And I don't necessarily think Dreamland is the best stage. It, I mean, it's basically just Battlefield. Just play on Battlefield. But, I mean, I, I don't have any hate towards the stage, but, like... You know, I don't want to get, you know, like I said, it's all about where you think you have the advantage. And if you think you have the advantage on Delfino or Castle Siege, then those are the stages you should definitely pick for yourself. If those stages haven't been banned or striked, go to them. Uh, since we're still talking about matches, I think that you have to go into a tournament expecting one major thing and accepting it and then using it as a growing experience. If you're new to a tournament scene and you, you beating all your friends and you're the big fish in the small pond, when you step into the comp the competitive scene, you need to understand that once you enter this world, you are now in the shark tank and you will lose. Maybe you'll get past a couple of people in the early goings. But once you get into it. And you really start having to play these guys. Who make it a habit. To show up to these tournaments every week. Like it's their religion. It's it's their Sunday mass. Going to a tournament. These guys live and breathe this experience. They, they will beat you. The best you can do. Is hope to make it competitive. And if you do lose. Get the feedback from the opponent. Get feedback. Like, find out what you did that cost you a match. Find out what you could have done better. Or, man, it could be something as shielding more. If your opponent thinks that maybe you could have shielded a few more of his attacks, that's something to take into account. Know that this is 
an experience that you're going to have to go through countless times. People lose. Not everybody is zero. And even zero lost at MLG. It's, it's not... It's not impossible to lose. So if you're coming in there and you're beating all your friends and you've got that mentality that you're the best, you're the greatest, you know, eat a piece of that humble pie before you walk through the doors because these people will be ready to play you. Um, I know me and After Party, we play each other a lot. Um, and when I mean a lot, we have over a thousand matches against each other. Just look at my system log. We have, yeah, yeah, we have over a thousand matches against each other. It's ridiculous. Um, but, you know, there are days where you'll play better than me, and there are days where I'll play better than you, or... No, there are not. There, I always play better than you. There'll be days where I will be beating you to a bloody pulp, and you'll just get extraordinarily lucky. No Johns, bro. No, <laughs> ain't nobody John in here, man. I'll be whooping your ass, and you know you'll be coming back through some... <laughs> You, I don't think so. You got you got like the miracle of Christ with your character or something. Like, seriously, I will body you and you will come back and win. But still, I mean, there are days, you know, we're competitive with each other. Because I'm really feeling it. <laughs> you know, we're, we're really competitive with each other. And we will bring out the best and worst in each other when we play. But even when we play as heatedly as we play each other. When you play in tournament and bracket competitively, it's really different. Because even though we've played we've played each other so much that we actually know what we're gonna do before the other person does it, it's about who does whatever they do quicker that ends up winning the match. Whichever one is faster on the draw. Uh, when you go to tournament, you don't necessarily know your opponent, and you might not know what they're capable of doing or what move they're going to do. You don't have them downloaded. So, you know, expect to lose. And like uh, Mario After Party said, man, no Johns. If you lose, don't whine. Don't complain. Don't blame it on your controller. Even if it was your controller, don't blame it on your controller, man. No Johnny. Be, you know, t take your loss like a man. Learn from it, you know, and grow from that experience. That's not to say that you can't win. Because you absolutely can win. And my advice to people who win, you know, if you feel the need to pop off, you know, you won that match, you want to get hype, you want to jump, you want to scream, do it. Do it, man. This community is all about hype. You know, you're there putting on a show. When you, when you enter the competitive world, you are not just playing competitively, but you're entertaining. At that point in time, you are an entertainer. And if you win, you have an obligation to pop off. It is cool to be gracious in victory. But, man, it is also cool to, like, get that, <clears throat> I won out of, out of the system, you know? Pop off, man. I, I disagree. I'm a lot more respectful when it comes to tournament play. I think it's just a personal preference. But, you know, I don't really, unless I got beef with somebody, I'm not going to try to make a big big deal out of it. Well, I'm not saying to like get in his face and be like I beat you, punk, but I am definitely saying, man, if you, if if you get that if you feel it in your gut that you got to scream and let that out, by all means, let it out, man. This community is about hype. They embrace hype. 
Like, hype is what actually made this community what it is. I mean, and if you listen to a crowd when something crazy happens, the crowd is right there behind you, man. So you can win. It is possible. Um, but with, with that, winning takes a lot of dedication. If you got a 9 to 5 like the rest of us do, and it's, it's hard to play, it's hard to practice, you got to get that practice in still. I mean, that is that is how you win. Practicing is how you win. Knowing your character inside and out, not being surprised by what your character does, and not gimping yourself. You know, knowing how to knowing how to win, knowing how to play, that's all essential when you go into this tournament world. Um, and like I said, just you know, take it one game at a time. You know, know know what every everything that you're capable of doing, and learn how to improve. I have been playing Smash since the first game came out, 64. I believe that was 99 in the States. I am still learning things with Pikachu, and I have been playing with Pikachu as my main since the first game, and I'm still learning how to play better with that character. Like It is a never-ending process. Never-ending process to truly know the character that you main. And if you want to pick up a few secondaries along the way, that doesn't hurt either, but know your main. Know your main. That is the best advice I can probably give you. Know your main. Uh, what about you, bro? Anything to add to that? You can win? Nope. <laughs> Speaking of you can win, Mario After Party did advance in his bracket at his first tournament. So what was winning like in, in that bracket? How did that moment feel? Um, pretty horrible because I beat a nine-year-old. Ah, <laughs> oh. hey, but you don't know, man. These kids are young. They he could have been like a prodigy. He could have bodied you. No, he was. I it was it was funny. I'm. I think I was the oldest person there, and I got the youngest person in the entire tournament. I felt pretty horrible for beating him, but. Uh, you know, my next opponent was, uh, I think one of the college kids there and, uh, it was pretty close. I won the first game, which that was more gratifying because I beat somebody who's actually an adult. And, um, then the second game he won. And then the third game, uh, it was down to the last stock. We both were in kill percentages. Um, I was using Shulk. He was using Mario. I I used Shulk's counter, which missed, uh, surprisingly. And then he came up and uh, comboed me with Mario, and that was it. And he advanced, and I, you know, there's no loser's bracket, so I got knocked out. But like I said, uh, I was lucky because I was on stream, so I, I could watch that match later and kind of analyze it and learn from it. And it was it was a good taste. You know, because I really, I want more, you know. Now, it's not the same, even even playing for Glory Online. Like, it's not good enough anymore. I really want to play in the tournament again. <laughs> I agree. Actually, I'm glad you brought up tournament streaming, because that's kind of, like, the next topic. Um, if you end up going to a tournament that has the setup to stream, tournament streaming comes with its own set of pressures, If to be honest. Um... Most of the time, when you're in a room in a tournament that does stream, you're actually seated 
on like the main stage, which is how they set it up here in Tampa. You, there's the main stage where they do the streaming. And you can hear the announcers as they analyze your matchup. It could be a little unnerving um, to hear them automatically criticize your play while you're playing. It can actually get to you if you're not focused. So I think that can be something that you have to learn to block out. Um, I, it actually does end up being beneficial later when you can take a look at the recording of the stream. Because then you can analyze the match yourself and you know really listen to what the announcers are saying. Sometimes they have good feedback. But it can it can be its own set of difficulties initially. It during the match it can it can can give you some difficulties. At least in my experience, having been on stream, it messed with me a little bit to hear them analyze and criticize my my play as it was happening. Uh, it wasn't too brutal or anything. It just it it can just take you out of the moment, and you definitely need to be in the moment. Well, you gotta have thick skin if you if you want to play in this match. Machine. You got to be able to uh, <clears throat> handle criticism. You got to be able to, you know, pe- your opponents, even in the game, they're going to taunt you. You can't let it get to you. Um, you know, they'll taunt you, like, literally with the, the taunt that the character uses. But, you know, sometimes people might trash talk too. It happens. And there are going to be, especially if you're on stream, commentators who are analyzing your match and they, they some of the commentary might be harsh you just gotta let it bounce off and keep going don't uh don't let that stuff get to you and don't take it personally absolutely you, you you'll be good to go all right uh we're that we're winding down we've got like two more topics to go over so we're, we're wrapping this up real quick we're gonna quick hit these um majors and nationals uh I would implore anybody who's just getting in to start locally. Don't try to jump into a major or national. But know that ultimately, these are the goals to get to a major or national. And we've got some pretty big majors and some pretty big nationals with record-breaking numbers for Smash 4. You have Apex in the beginning of the year. Apex breaking records. You have Evo, which is the biggest Smash 4 tournament, period. Over 2,000 players. Big ups to this community because this game is less than a year old. We're actually coming up on the anniversary on the 21st of November. This will be the first anniversary of the game being released for the Wii U. And we're breaking records. This community is strong. Uh, and we're still developing the meta. So, you know, it's gonna it's nice to, to see these uh, tournaments really picking up and embracing the game. Uh, MLG. We just we broke into MLG first year out. First year with this game, and we're, we're already playable at MLG. Um, so keep in mind that ma- majors and nationals, those are the goals. You really want to get to that level. You want to really test yourself against the greats. You want to play Nairo. You want to play Zero. You want to play ESAM. You want to play Nakat. Man, you got to do it. You got to start local and build your, build your tournament experience, build your skill set, and know that it's more than just a local thing. It is a national thing. It is a worldwide thing. We've got tournament, major tournaments in Europe, major tournaments in Asia, major tournaments here in the United States. This is, this is a real game. This is, there's, there's real stakes when you play this game, and there's some big money to be won playing this game if you get to that level. Um, the last thing is, 
I think is a good idea to watch tournaments as they stream. Um, Twitch.tv, man. There is always a Smash tournament. Check out Twitch.tv. And if you can't find a tournament, go to Smashboards.com. Smashboards tells you what are the best tournaments to watch. What's the biggest tournament? Smashboards.com is a valuable resource in finding your local community and finding what finding your majors and finding your nationals and finding all that stuff. Smashboards is, is probably the best place you can go to find these answers. If you don't think there's a local scene, you're not looking. And Facebook, facebook.com, man. I have found the, a lot of, t of smaller scale tournaments through Facebook and I have gone to them and you know, played in them and improve my skill set. You know, there are many ways to find, you know, this and many ways to find out where to stream, man. But watching tournaments and, and when you watch a tournament, you get to analyze how people play. And you might, if you're lucky, you might get to see somebody using your main and you get to see something that you didn't know could be done with, with a character that you play with. Invaluable to, to watch tournaments as they stream. And it's pretty hype. Mario After Your Party and I, like, had an Evo-watching party, you know, where we had food, drinks, and we streamed Evo for, like, eight hours straight. And and that was, that was incredible, you know. You, you know, watching that tournament unfold was, was mind-blowing. Um, Zero won it. He deserved it. Um, but, yeah, always, always stream if you can. It is, it is good. It is good to watch other people play. And that way you see what the real level of competition gets at those higher levels. Uh, and our last thing, any particular tournament experience that you want to bring out? Any like particular match that you had that stood out to you? Any way that you played, bro? No, I don't have enough experience yet. It'll it'll have to be down the, the line when I got a few more tournaments uh, and for me, I, you know, my tournament experiences have been relatively learning experiences. Uh, I've, you know, being able to play and learn and get into friendly matches, get into, you know, real matches and, and really learn from the overall experience taught me a lot about how I play. And even, even that when I, the next time I played Mario after party, because we actually live in separate States. You know, but we got online, we played. He was able to notice a difference after I've played in tournament as to what I was doing. Like, you notice you notice almost instantly once you started applying things that you, you get from going to tournaments. It makes a difference. Uh, outside of that, you know, know your matchups. That's all I can say. Know your matchups. Either learn how to play with every character or play against every character in the game. Get online, get on, get on the, you know, use the Nintendo network to get online, play those online matches and learn what characters are capable of because that's always going to be an invaluable asset. And with that, guys, I think that'll do it for this month's topic, Competitive Smash 4. I really hope you guys enjoyed, uh, enjoyed this episode. Uh, we've been planning this one for a while because this is the annual celebration of smash 4 this is the first year first year anniversary so i had thought that i really want to get this episode out in november um 
And, you know, as our way of celebrating Smash 4 and its overall success as a game and the way that the communities embrace it. So I felt that the best way to give back was to do this episode. Um, so that's my closing thoughts on this, guys. Uh, Mario After Party, anything to add, bro? No, sir. All right, guys. Well, that is going to be it for episode three of the Splat Zones, Competitive Smash. We want to thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for the feedback. Thank you so much for watching the first episode so many times. Thank you so much for watching the second episode so many times. We are getting a lot of great feedback, we're, and we're really appreciating this. Mario After Party, I want to thank you again for being the best co-host in podcast history. Oh, shucks. Thanks. And guys... As always, you can hit me up on Twitter at nice one nine eight three. You can email me at nice one nine eight three at gmail.com. And we are on Facebook at nice one nine eight three game collecting. That's gonna be it for this episode of the Splat Zones. So you know how we like to close it out. Stay free!